1: Fantasy Baseball Show with D-Mendy. Little Cheesecake
0: and Doc starts now. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome in to another episode of the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show. We are a proud member of Empire Media and the Empire Media Podcast Network. D-Mendy here. Join again. Just me, myself, and I. Just me. Yeah, because uh, of course, Doc. Uh, since it's the middle of the day right now, he is currently working and needed to get back to work. He had to take an hour lunch break, but next week we are going back in the evening, so we are able to record the intro together. So this will be the last time you'll hear just my voice, unless you like hearing my voice, and uh, then you unfortunately will have to hear Doc's voice too. But uh, appreciate all you guys listening in. This is the Two on NPR Radio. Just by myself. The sound, do I sound like a radio guy? I don't know. My my deep voice is like this. If I talk like this, I don't know. NPR D Mendio 2 coming up on this hour. Okay. Enough of that. Sorry. Please don't please don't cancel me. Please don't unsubscribe. Okay. Anyway. On today's episode, we have the innings matter episode. Yes. All innings matter. And we're heading down the stretch in your fantasy baseball season with roughly 10 weeks to go. Things are fine, and you're sitting pretty. Suddenly, your starters have their starts skipped. 7 inning 100 pitch outings become 4 inning 75 pitch outings. Wins, Ks, and points all being wiped away from your fantasy team. Oh god. Normally, teams don't like to increase a pitcher's workload by more than 50 innings from one year to the next. 30 being more optimal, of course. But obviously with a 2020 shortened season, we had no idea what to expect in terms of innings. Most likely we're looking more towards 2019 and we're going to be adding the innings on there. So we're going to compare the 2019 and 2021 innings outputs from these starting pitchers that we're starting to wonder if they're going to be on innings restrictions. We're going to take these pitchers and we're going to wonder if we should trade them if we're in trade leagues, if we have them on competitive high stakes leagues, if we're going to keep them on our team or we're going to drop them for guys that are going to give us more production. All those answers coming by someone who's a lot better at this stuff than me, someone who's great with projecting numbers, and someone that is a, a matrician I can't even say the word. She's a historian, and that is Miss Jessica Brandt. So make sure you stay tuned for that. After we go to our bullpen for our question of the week, which MLB player do you think would make the best golfer? And our game of the week coming in to shut the door. So if you guys are ready to get another episode started, then, man, we're here to do it for you. Let's do it!
2: Yeah!
1: All
0: right. So, there's a lot of news and notes to get here, and... We're just going to try to recap as much as we can because there's a lot of news that can come out in a week, especially around this time of the year—the trade deadline. That's the most types of news and notes uh, for baseball around. So we'll start off with the Rangers and Yankees, who reportedly agreed on a deal to send Joey Gallo and Jolie Rodriguez to the Bronx in exchange for a four-player prospect package, which includes Ezekiel Duran, Josh Smith, Trevor however, and Glenn Otto. In return, the Rangers are paying all of Joey Gallo's remaining excuse me, putting my peepas on. i to pay all of Joey Gallo's remaining contract. It's a bold strike to the Yankees, who have hovered a bit above 500 most of the season, entering last night about eight and a half back of the Red Sox in the American League East, three behind the Athletics in the wild card. The Yankees aren't in the division. Obviously, as much expected them to. But Gallo could give them a boost, who actually just earned his second career All-Star nod. And between June and July, overall he's hit 223, 379, 490 slash with 25 home runs across 388 plate appearances this season. And as he's been throughout his career, obviously prone to strikeouts, people joke that he fits in with the uh the K and the Yankees with the K. Um, obviously low batting average as well. But the power and plate discipline help kind of offset that. He's been a patient hitter, but he's taken that to a new height in 2021 which actually his 19.1% walk rate is a career best. And it's the highest such mark of any player with 250 or more plate appearances this year. So that's actually allowed him to reach base far more often than the 320 league average. His also, his ISO is a whopping 268 and only five players top his home run total this season. He also owns a 140 WRC plus and should be a great addition to the New York Yankees in that short porch and right field there. As far as the Texas side of things, the prospects they all rank in the top thirty in the prospect system. But Duran as the sixth and Smith as the eighth are the two most promising players uh, in the deal for the Rangers. The Mariners have signed right-hander Asher Wojcikowski to a minor league deal. The Arizona Diamondbacks have released right-hander John Duplantier. Arizona is hoping to bring back Duplantier back on a minor league deal. He did suffer a season-ending latch strain uh, to begin this season, so. He obviously, and this is more of something for next year. Uh, there is a report right now, as I'm scrolling through, looking at some news here. Twins are increasingly willing to deal Jose Barrios. So keep an eye on that. Cubs did trade Ryan Tapera, uh, one of the best relief pitchers in that bullpen, to the Chicago White Sox across town uh, deal of some sorts. It is in exchange for Bailey Horn. So Tapera, who's been, again, rock solid this year, 64 innings of 323 ball, a 44.8% walk rate. Uh, I'm sorry, strikeout rate and 9.4 percent walk rate uh, has been very great this year. Should be helping that bullpen a ton right there. Some more news that have come out. Obviously, this is a little bit more uh, than a day or two ago now, but Angels announced they placed first baseman Jared Walsh on the 10-day IL, retroactive to July 27th with a right intercostal strain. There's no timeable for Walsh, which is going to be obviously a huge blow for the Angels and their quest for the playoffs, even though it was very slim at this point anyway. They were five games back of the wild card. Uh, they Jared Walsh had been incredible this year. I think a lot more so than people thought he was going to be, who thought he was just kind of a, a short season stud, but nothing more. Hit 266, 320, 516 with 22 homers over 394 plate appearances this year. So hopefully you can come back and help your fantasy team a little bit later on this season. Milwaukee announced the acquisition of All Star Eduardo Escobar from the Diamondbacks. In exchange, catcher Cooper Hummel and infielder Aldoberto Cyprien are going to the Diamondbacks. Escort has obviously been talked about going to the White Sox. That never happened. And he's done well this year, 246, 300, 478 slash, and 22 homers over an even 400 plate appearances. He's making $7.5 million in the final year of his deal with around $2.8 million still to be paid out. The Brewers are apparently picking up the remaining part of his salary. And for the D-backs, in addition to the salary relief they're going to get, they got a couple of young players at their organization. Hummel is actually right now in Nashville, AAA Nashville, hitting 254 with six homers and a massive 24.4% walk rate and a solid 155 half strikeout percentage. So he, you could see him maybe at some point before the end of the season, but a, a good piece going to Arizona. You have Garrett Cooper on your team. You can drop him. Mayor, uh, Marlins first baseman corner outfielder has been diagnosed with a torn UCL in his left elbow, and he is out for the remainder of the season. If you remember, uh, the same this was the same procedure Reese Hoskins underwent last October, and Hoskins was ready for the start of this season. So you would expect Cooper will be back fully healthy to play in 2022. But what will suck is that the Marlins, I think, we're trying to use him as a trade candidate, and that's no longer going to happen. He's going to wrap up the campaign at 284, 384, 65 slash over 250 plate appearances. He's always performed well when healthy, so he should be a boost to that team when he comes back. The Astros made a couple moves. The Astros bolted all with their bullpen. First, they acquired right-hander Yimi Garcia from the Marlins in exchange. Houston sending outfield prospect Brian De La Cruz and swimman Austin Pruitt to Miami. Garcia, who's a young thirty-two, was non-tendered by the Dodgers after twenty nineteen. Marlins took a low risk investment in a one point one million dollar deal, and it's definitely proved Worthwhile. Garcia's pitched to 51 and a third innings so far this year, or I'm sorry, has pitched to a 51, yeah, 51 and a third innings this year, excuse me, 263 RA and a 25.6% strikeout rate and a solid 8.5% walk rate. Over the last 36 innings or so, he has not been as effective. Uh, 347 ERA is not horrible, but it's definitely, uh, not what he was doing earlier this season, an average strikeout and walk rate. So, uh, Miami getting rid of, uh, they're one of their best bullpen pieces. And to get De La Cruz, who signed as a 16-year-old out of the Dominican Republic in 2013, has spent the season in AAA Sugarland hitting 324 with a dozen homers and 17 doubles. Austin Pruitt, you remember him from the Rays probably. 2019-2020 was acquired from the Rays. Uh, or I'm sorry, the Astros acquired him from the Rays for the 2019-2020 offseason. And a couple of injuries have limited him over the last two appearances, both in the last few weeks. But you'll remember from 2017 to 2019, he was a multi-inning reliever used by Kevin Cash and all in all has a 489 ERA and 202 major league innings. So par strikeout rates, but strong walk numbers gets a above average ground ball rate, adding to the bullpen for the Marlins there. A big trade that went down, uh, that is revolving the same bullpen. We saw, we saw division rivals in a rare swap teams in contention the mariners trading closer kendall graveman and then recently designated for assignment rafael montero i don't know why it took that long to designate him for assignment but the astros gave up promising young infielder abraham toro and veteran righty joe smith now this is again a surprise given the mariners are right in there in contention they're right behind in the wild card race right now and not too many division rivals usually making trades but uh graveman is a free agent at season's end and he's on a very relatively cheap deal of a one year, $1.25 million contract. He's got some incentives for closing games that he's not going to reach because Dusty Baker has already said Presley is going to be the closer there. But you get, they I can see why the Mariners made this trade. I mean, obviously it doesn't play out well in the locker room, but, and Graveman was loved there. Apparently he was very emotional, but you're getting for uh, half a season left of Graveman, you're getting, uh, five seasons of control for a young infielder, Abraham Toro, who they might use in another deal. Um, so I completely understand why they did it. Obviously for your locker room, it does stink, but um, it, I mean, you're able to get a really good young promising player under team control for a guy you were not going to be resigning. So uh, interesting move, but it makes sense on both sides. Now let's talk about one of the, another deadline stunner, the athletics and Marlins agreeing to a straight up one for one swap. Where Starling Marte went to Oakland, which I don't think anybody projected him to go, in exchange for Jesus Lazardo. Now, the Marlins are paying the entirety of his 4.57 remaining on Marte's $12.5 million salary for this season. Starling Marte is a free agent at the end of this year, capable of playing all three outfielder spots and is hitting 305, 405, 451 slash, four home runs, 22 steals, and a career high 11.6% walk rate and 275 play appearances so far this season. Remember, he did miss some time with a fractured rib. He sustained while making a diving catch in center. He's been just absolutely excellent when healthy. Uh, this is a guy who's been very underrated his entire career, former All-Star, two-time Gold Glover. He's got a pair of 20 homer seasons under his belt and a 288 overall batting line uh, and a uh, 288 career batting average line, I should say, parts of 10 major league seasons. Um, this is a guy that's going to help the A's in a ton of ways here. They can trot him out with Mark Canna and Ramon Loriano. Stephen Piscotti, you have his right-handed bat against left-handed pitching. Mitch Laurence's big been struggling a ton. Uh, so he obviously can't pit do well against Southpaws. So you maybe he uh he will take a seat and get more playing time, uh lose his playing time here. I'm more interested on this aspect of the Lazardo side, who is a very steep price if you consider last year that Jose Lozardo was arguably the best pitching prospect in baseball if you look at among prospect boards everywhere and he struggled a lot this season for the majors and in triple a and i think the, the a's giving him up makes you wonder if you think hey there's something that we see here but we don't think he's going to live up to his full potential uh, but at the end of the day it's a rental player for starling marte lozardo is not a is not that type it's not a rental player he's a piece in this marlin system and if you look, I mean, it wasn't long ago that he was again for that prospect type 2019 to 2020. 368 ERA, 25 and a half percent strikeout rate, 6.8 walk percentage through his first 71 innings. Again, this was, he expects maybe be the best pitcher in the rotation for the A's this year and, uh, broke his pinky finger. If you remember when he smacked a table after a video game, what he's called an immature mistake. He spent a month and a half or around a month on the shelf, excuse me, and then he had 11 runs in 10 innings, came back, was optioned to AAA, and he has a six eight seven year 7 ERA and AAA. So maybe a change of scenery. He's from the Miami area. That's when he went to high school. But uh, I would not be shocked to see the Marlins, when they get their hands on him, transforming him into what we think he's going to be. But for the Marlins, you got Sandy Alcantara, Pablo Lopez, Trevor Rogers, Sixto Sanchez, of course, Jesus Lazardo. As the rotation of the future, you got Eliezer Hernandez, Max Meyer, Edward Cabrera, and Braxton Garrett in the wings. I mean, this team has so many arms. By far the deepest stock of controllable near MLB talent pitching in all of baseball. I'm sure they'll trade a couple of those pitchers for some bats because they need a ton of them. But goodness gracious, that team is deep as far as pitching goes. Last couple things we'll touch on here. Michael Gibbons was traded to the Reds. Uh, maybe works in the closer mix there in exchange for Case Williams and Noah Davis. Remember, Cincinnati also picked up Luis Sessa and Justin Wilson from the Yankees. So they're really working on that bullpen. Given has a six, a, a two seven three ERA this year, strong 27% strikeout rate. Uh, and, uh, again, should be a great piece for that bullpen there. Tyler Anderson, Mr. Anderson was going to the Phillies. Trade never went through and he is now going to the Mariners in exchange for catcher. Carter Bins and right here, Joaquin Tejada going to Pittsburgh. Now, Anderson's very much a control specialist, not uh, anything crazy, quality strike thrower, very low 5.8% walk rate this season. And uh, again, so a very just average guy should plug in a uh, hole in their rotation. I wouldn't expect much more than that. Steven Strasburg is undergoing thoracic outlet syndrome, according to manager Dave Martinez. It's going to end his season. And hopefully he can be ready for the start of 2022. But when you hear, thoracic outlet syndrome, that is more, obviously, Tommy John used to be the thing. Thoracic outlet syndrome, when you hear that, is detriment to a lot of pitchers' careers. Keep in mind, this is also after last year he had elevated uh, carpal tunnel syndrome, or alleviated carpal tunnel syndrome. And uh, he's only pitched 26 and two-thirds innings this year. This is after he recently just signed a seven-year $245 million extension at the end of the 2019-2020 offseason. It is rough right now for the Nats and Strasburg. A couple of little bit older news I'll touch on real quick. Adam Frazier, of course, went to the Padres. You know that by now for some, for three prospects. Frazier has been one of the best hitters in baseball this season. Um, he's a seven-year MLP career where he's, he uh, has done, again, hits you for average, but he hadn't been done much besides that. But he has been one of the best contact hitters in baseball. He does not strike out, and that's going to fit in well as the Padres can mix and match with him, Eric Hosmer, and Jake Cronin were shifting around there. White Sox activated Eloy Jimenez, and he played, hit a three-run homer, and now he hurt his hamstring yesterday. So keep an eye on that. Mike Trout had a setback with his calf, and right now there is uh, no news as far as when that's going to resolve, so keep an eye on that. Carlos Carrasco and Chris Sale are supposed to make their starts, their debuts this weekend. Exciting stuff for both pitchers who have been one of the best in the game and have been sidelined for a long time with injuries. And Jacob deGrom, obviously, uh he's throwing off a mount, he feels good. He's right now no ex- exact timeable set for his return. Hopefully he's going to be soon. And uh Nelson Cruz, of course, if you're under a rock, is now part of the rays and has been so for a little bit now. The intriguing prospects, Joe Ryan and Drew Stroutman going to the twins. You could see Joe Ryan this season and uh Mr. Cruz, Nelson Cruz, just keeps on hitting. It's been absolutely just incredible watching him just be as dominant as he has been for so very long. But it's a lot of news. But if you enjoy hearing all this great baseball content over at Triple Play Fantasy, make sure you click the subscribe button wherever you find podcasts. Want to hear more Triple Play great news for you? We have a fantasy football and basketball show you can check out, available anywhere you get your podcasts. And if you enjoy the content, Make sure you hook the boys up with a five-star rating and review to support the show. Check us out on all our socials at tripplayfantasy. Of course, you can go to our website, triple play or tripplayfantasy.com and go to our YouTube channel, triple play fantasy articles, videos, podcasts, movie minutes, fantasy foodies. I just stuffed myself with 12 donuts in five minutes yesterday. You can check that out on the YouTube channel. So much great content here, but remember if you're looking for a podcast, that you won't kick out of bed the morning after. Look no further than this podcast right here because I'm telling you, it just might change your life. And we're going to jump into Innings Concerns with Jessica Brand right after this quick break. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, The
1: Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for the Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix.
0: Triple play fantasy baseball coming at you again on a nice, beautiful Thursday afternoon. with a gorgeous day here in Baltimore, Maryland. Of course joined by normal co-host the doc from his rental home over in Pigtown. How's
2: it going, buddy? You know, it was going better until uh, like ten minutes ago when you know some pitchers just gave up some home runs. We don't really want to talk about it.
0: Uh, you know, you don't want to talk about Zach Wheeler or Tawan Walker. I get it, I get it. It can be a rough subject, but you know what's not a rough subject is who's joining the show today. We welcome in somebody. That contains all the golden baseball nuggets. An MLB saber matrician. I'm glad I could say that correctly. Historian. That cast nerd and name MLB stats. Ex-Wobacan. This Rhode Island icon has projections. Got stats. That D in the name stands for deviation from the mean. We welcome in someone who is very much on brand. Because we have Jessica Brand. How is it going?
1: Uh, very well, David. Thank you very much for having me. It's 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 a true pleasure to be here, and great
0: fun. Yeah, thank you. happy to have you again. You know your stuff. If you ever check out Jessica's Twitter feed, it's filled with tons of amazing and great stats that uh, are great to check out. Some sometimes it's certain things like uh, you're like, wow, I had no idea that X or Y existed, and you point them out there. So it's it's honestly a, a great to check out also that you put out there. Uh so I'm just curious, can you tell me how you got started in the fantasy baseball world and, and what got you into doing this crazy game that we love so much?
1: Oh yeah, so um for fantasy baseball, so my family runs a league and it has for years. It's a five by five bar like on Yahoo. It goes back about um like twenty something years. And, you know, my father used to then, he's the one who got me into baseball. And he did statistics for a living. He used to do work for Netflix before they got big, he did stuff for young friends, so I like to take after him, so if he studied baseball, I like baseball. He did statistics, I like statistics. And fantasy baseball seemed like a really good way to accumulate, too, is you know, at the very least, bragging rights. Eventually, I figured, well, I, I can do more than just, you know, like, winning a model. I can help other people out with statistical models. I can help people uh, with predicting what's going to happen with them in the future based upon existing friends. And um it's also really got me interested in DFS as well because I run a – um I run an optimizer that can spit out a graph game for the optimal that way. So it's the opportunity to help people. It's the opportunity to show off a little, if I'm honest. And it's also, you know, just a lot of fun to show that you know based on what can reasonably happen. Granted, um, because it's statistics like this and it's projected, it's the average within the range of possibilities. But usually, you know, you aim for the top of that bell curve um, and you usually get a, a fair share of the top. And that makes it kind of fun, Right. It's like there's always that underlying element of the psychic, what? Ooh, the psychic who knows what's coming next. Even it's mathematically based, like there's that neat aura of the seriousness.
0: No, it's it's. I mean, it's insanely awesome, and I definitely am not. I definitely have been getting more into analytics, and I understand. I can understand the baseball savant. I can understand the fan graphs. I can understand underlying data, but. You having optimizers and you being able to uh, to correlate things in it, the ways that the average person can, I think, is what what makes you so much of a better player than most out there. And I think it's a skill that takes a lot of time. And I know, like you said, you probably have to create a lot of different projection systems to to try to find what the best one to optimize. Is that correct? Like, it's not just one system that you work on.
1: Oh, oh, absolutely. That's a great way to put it. So. Um, someone asked me about this part of the year um, when I was doing fantasy work and I was doing a lot of individual projections So they were saying like, "Oh, what system do you like to use?" And personally, I believe ATC, Great Value, Tone. I think that's the best one overall. It's the best for depth, um, but I, I don't think it's as good for top end and super for sort of projecting projection talent. So I can compare it to like um, food takes.
0: Well, seems like a couple of technical problems there. Jessica will add her back in when um when whatever is going on i'm usually the one with technical def- difficulties somebody else can't steal my thunder that's very true uh <laughs> we were gonna have her jump in once we get things going here doc i gotta ask you are you ready to get talk about this show today which is a, a, a in, interesting topic to say these. are you ready
2: are you pumped yeah let's do it I'm, I'm ready to talk about people that are restricted for the rest of the year and uh jessica can you hear us you good
0: Uh oh, it's all good. I know sometimes streaming. Oh, sometimes.
1: sorry. Oh,
0: jeez. Oh,
1: I'm so sorry about that.
0: No,
2: uh, no worries. Somebody
1: start over with that. I'm so sorry. I don't know what's going on with that. All right. Sorry. So uh, we can... okay, You were saying about projection systems. Sorry. Yeah. Okay. Uh, go ahead. So yeah. projection systems. Yeah, projection systems to me are like um different flavor profiles. Like we all like a good bacon cheeseburger, but we're not going to eat a bacon cheeseburger if we want something sweet. So maybe I'm going to use a different food to get there, like, you know, like a cake. Um, so we have to use, all, personally, I like to use all kinds of different projection systems depending on what type of value I'm trying to actually project and what tier player, like 1 to 50 versus uh, 200 to 250, I'm trying to ask and I'm trying to look at. So ultimately, what I'm working on this winter is more like a uh, composite index database that's personally my own. It's using existing data from a lot of people like uh, Zimborski and Cohen and Cardi. Um, but it basically takes the best part of each one and makes it its own system. Now, granted, press has tried to do that with like, a few of them, but nobody's tried to do it with all of them. So that's my project for this winter.
0: I love it. Well, I'm interested to hear your projections on what we're going to be talking about today. And that is innings matter, because they all do. Can't not forget any single inning. So as you're heading down the stretch in your fantasy baseball season, roughly about 10 weeks to go. Things are fine and you're sitting pretty. Suddenly, your starters have their starts skipped. Seven inning, 100 pitch outings become four innings, 75 pitch outings. Wins, Ks, and points all being wiped away from your fantasy team. Oh God, it's a lot to deal with. So just an important thing to note for people that aren't familiar with the innings restrictions and what normally it kind of constitutes with it. Normally, teams don't like to increase a pitcher's workload by more than 50 innings from one year to the next, with 30 being more of an optimal number that teams look at. Neither was realistic, obviously, coming from a shortened 2020 season. We kind of didn't really know what they were going to look at. So with this exercise, what I have is I have each pitcher's 2019 totals, and then what's going to come after is anyone's guess. I'll give you, obviously, what their 2021 totals are to date. So we're going to try to do our best to figure out what we can expect from these eight starting pitchers who have been publicly talked about with their innings being limited, and if we should maybe trade them what we project from them for rest of season in terms of five-by-five Roto Leagues, just standard five-by-five. And again, if if you're in a trades league, if you're going to get rid of them, if you're going to try to ride it out, whatever the case may be. So let's start off number one, Freddie Peralta, who has spent much of his career to this point in relief. And he's really broken out on the scene this year. Not a surprise to see the Brewers trying to to, uh, take steps back on him, slow him down a little bit as – they look like they're one of the teams to be one of the best teams, obviously, in the National League. They have, a, I think, an eight-game lead in the NL Central Division, so they don't need to push their pitchers at this moment. Uh, right now, you have Freddie Peralta, who's at 102 innings in 2021. He pitched 96.2 innings in 2019. So if you have that 30-innings pitch increase there, you're up at about 126 innings. which only leave about 24 innings left. It's obviously going to be broken. So, Jessica, I'll come to you first. For Freddy Peralta, what should we expect rest of season from him? So, I'm
1: expecting great things. So, I, as I mentioned, I did um, 5 by 5 Roto from that. Uh, so, for those that aren't familiar with that format, I'm not going to go or just to case not, it's wins, saves, ERA, uh, whips, breakouts. Um So, I have Peralta projected this season having 61 more innings. That is a uh, 46th ranked amongst all pitchers, so that includes relievers, um, but he would not be below any relievers for that. Um, I expect really good things, though. Um, I have his ERA going forward almost inside the top ten. His WHIP um, in the mid-teens. Um, maybe not the most wins. I'm not, not totally sold on the NL Central this year on the whole. Uh, he's a borderline top ten strikeout pitcher, and to have that kind of diversity, I think he is a top ten pitcher in baseball going forward the rest of the way.
0: Ooh. A top ten pitcher in baseball the rest of the way. That's spicy. I like That's it. I like no, it. Uh, so you think you don't? You're not worried about the innings at all, really, for him down the stretch? Then.
1: Maybe a little bit. I mean, forty six for a top ten guy is maybe not ideal where you'd want it to be. But it's not like it's going to be like a cutoff like I think maybe where I have a Trevor Rodgers would be um of a young guy who's going forward. Um is not that type of guy to me. And I think it matters in this case that Milwaukee is contending, right? You mentioned it. Not only for the fact that this is a that it's a win based league, hypothetically, so you're gonna get more wins, just basic premise, winning teams get more winning pictures by record. And the fact that I think that they realize they don't have relative, this is their really first shot to contend in quite some time, genuinely. So I think they're going to try to maximize that for what it's worth. Because they have a bunch of cost-controlled guys that get expensive, especially quickly. And if you can do that with these guys cheaply, you want to make sure you get your chance to do that. It kind of reminds me, except I don't think they'll do that this way, about how the Nationals um, shut down Strasbourg, except they're going to take the ultra the path, right? It's kind of like mm-hmm. the road less travel, except maybe it'll be the more travel road in this case. But I I, w- I am a big, big bullish on Freddie Fraud going forward. I think he's, uh, you definitely should keep him. Try to acquire him if, if you can get him cheap, if people will have those underlying concerns about innings.
0: So I'll ask you then this to follow up. Are you worried about the potential that, which just happened uh, in his last start, where they only pitched him four innings, are you worried that there might be a few of those down the stretch where, Hey, he's going to give you great innings, uh, but that he's not going to maybe, maybe like every second or third time he goes, that they're not going to let him qualify for a win and that they're going to have him on some type of pitch count. Is that, is that at all uh, cause concern for you? Or do you think that most of the starts from here on out, he's going to give you, you know, six, seven innings?
1: I, I think you're going to, I think you will see a lot more four to six, honestly, because mm-hmm. I I don't, I think they are, Going to try to save him, but like, I mean the, the postseason thing. In that case, my turn or you're a little bit right. As much as they're going to try to drag him out there to ensure the wins, they're going to try to make sure he has some bullets left in the tank for October. Mm-hmm. So okay. it's a double I think.
0: Okay, that makes sense. Well, then let's move on to someone you actually brought up, and I'll talk about Trevor Rogers. So I've seen actually being traded a lot in some leagues while people are scrambling because of the inning concerns here. It may not seem like one of the likeliest pitchers to be shut down, given that he's a rookie who has yet to miss a turn, but uh, the team has no serious playoff aspirations right now. Pitching coach on the team uh, has already addressed these issues, talking about that Rodgers could throw as many as 175 innings. Uh, but again, right now you don't have, you hear pitching coaches say one thing, teams don't always replicate that. Right now Trevor Rodgers at 106.1 innings and has yet to give up more than three earned runs in any start this season. The most he's pitched is 136.1 innings in 2019. So uh, he's right now 30 innings under his 2019 total. So that 30 innings pitch uh, bump would give it to about 166 innings, so roughly what they're expecting. Uh, Doc, I'll go to you first. If you have Trevor Rogers on your roster, are you looking to try to sell him if you can? Are you trying to keep him and ride out whatever he's left in there? What are you doing with Trevor
2: Rogers? So I think the window to sell Trevor Rogers is probably past. You know, in in our home league, somebody actually just traded him for Mark Canna. Um, I'm concerned about him. I look at his ERA uh, each month: April 1.29, May 2.34, June 2.73, and July 3.86. When we had Aaron Savale on, he said, "Like, hey, look, like you have fatigue over the season, and I think when it's you're you're this young and you haven't pitched this much, that uh, you know the the numbers kind of speak for itself." I think they might maybe skip some starts. I mean, they just traded Starling Marte for a very good prospect in Jesus Lazardo. So I think that shows they're kind of punting on this season. And I think they're going to take a lesson of Sixto Sanchez where, hey, look, we tried rushing somebody back way too soon. He ended up having to miss the entire season. They have a very good rotation for the future. And I think that, you know, Kim Ng and their new baseball operations are taking kind of a more long term approach. And so I wouldn't be surprised if Trevor Rodgers only pitches a handful of games the rest of the season, especially coming off a of back spasms injury.
0: Yeah, and what scares me the most is that they're not in playoff contention. So there's no reason to push him at this point. If you have a guy that you're sensitive about an innings limit, but you're also not contending, that's that's a huge double whammy for me.
2: Pablo Lopez was on the IL too, so I figure maybe they're really conservative with all of their pitchers that have some sort of injury. Yeah, Jessica, what are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I, I have some concerns about this as well. Trevor Rogers for me, is my 61st ranked um, innings pitch going forward. That is around by the way, the range of uh, Lance McCullers, Trevor Vardes, Blake Snell, John Gray. This concerns me. Um, I, I'm not even concerned. I don't think he's very much of a guy going forward. I, I think he's he's my number 40 overall, including relievers, uh, picture going forward for the rest of the season by 5 by 5 I don't like his peripherals. I don't like the way he's given enough contact. I don't think he gets many innings. I have him at 58. Um, that's why I could water Rodriguez range. Nothing really sticks out to me to posit, but he's gonna a much more harder contact and consistently so. So if you can trade him, and I admit I own him. I have a good experience personally with Trevor Rogers, but I would definitely prefer to trade him. I don't believe in the innings. I don't believe in, the, in his stuff going forward because Doc hit on that perfectly it's just it, it's kind of dominoing, it's kind of spiraling, it's avalanching, and getting a little bit harder for him to maintain control. And I thought the non-playoff team point was a great thing. Like, the, what's the active incentive? Like, increase more risk, he gets hurt, or maybe get your record a little bit worse because he didn't play in the start, and maybe you got a better draft pick next summer. Great
0: point, right? yeah. So, Jessica, if you're in a league that doesn't have trading, uh, like at NFBC, or uh, anything like, any type of the really high-stakes leagues, and you have Trevor Rogers on your roster. Are you looking to be one of the first pitchers that you're going to be dropping to pick up someone that you need innings, going to give you K, any kind of categories where you're, you're, you are you're need those? Is he somebody that you're happy to drop to be able to pick up an Austin Gomber or an Adam Wainwright or somebody of that regard?
1: Um, I, I, I'm not sure I'll go that far. So I, I was big on the Austin Gomber trainer early. I don't have any... I don't think I have Gumber quite that well. Gumber is, I, I think, still, like, in my like in my, in my 90s range. Um, I think Rogers is still a top 40 picture in the league. That's still pretty good. It's not probably what you expect hear at this time in May or June, but it's where we are. You still have a middle of the rotation option that you can maybe count on somewhat consistently rather than very consistently. It's not like he's a negative asset, but it's a perfect time to sell high at the same time. He's kind of, you know, like the battery we talked about, high Babbitt, oh, he's going to regress. Oh, he has a high stack pass stats that um, we use for reflective purposes or descriptive purposes. Um, these are just indicators that a guy is outperformed, and that's what I think we're seeing on the case right here. Like We see an unsustainable Babbitt break from a hitter. Oh, he's going to regress. Yes. Um, we kind of saw that from Rodgers now when he's in the regression phase. So if someone sees those numbers, I always like to leave notes in my trade messages and trade requests. It's like, we look at these numbers from April and May, you could bounce back from it. I always like to psych people out with the good parts of the players. So there's a potential there for you or someone else, though. All
0: right, well, I like it. So let's move then to our third one here. And this is somebody who's finally somewhat lived up to the potential we saw from him early on in his career. That's Julio Urias, who plan for him early in his career was to ease him into a starter's workload, have him split time between the bullpen, kind of like a Corbin Burns, Freddie Peralta type of vibe as far as starting. Pandemic obviously came at a time at a worse time for him as he wasn't able to really build that up. The Dodgers kind of had to put the training wheels on him in 2020, fully let him loose in 2021. And right now, Dave Roberts saying at one point that it would be reckless to let Rice throw 200 innings. At this point right now, it's looking like he get up to 180 right now. He's at 124.2 innings right now, which is actually 10th in all of baseball. Uh, so it's crazy that someone like Urias, who was kind of shifting between the bullpen and starters, has now the 10th most innings pitched in the majors. In 2019, he pitched 85.1 innings. So he's already about 40 pitches over uh, what he was in 2019. And he's looking like that 180 mark is on the horizon. So... I'm going to ask Jessica, I'm going to go back to you. If you have Julio Urias, are you just riding this out? Are you scared that with this much of an increase in innings that there could be injury? What are you, your thoughts on Julio Urias?
1: Yeah. So there are a lot of things. I I don't like the contact he's given up. I I have him especially. I have him a hundred seventy-first going forward in the ERA projections. Oh wow. Amongst all pitchers, um, I have him projected at 58 innings going forward. That is my type tied for my fifty-nine most. That's not really reliable in that respect. I still think he's maybe a little bit higher than Broad because he can get you. A, I think he's a little bit stronger with his swing and this stuff. But I'm really not sure on this guy not blowing up either because they refuse to give him innings or his stuff just as it doesn't work out. Um, and un- unlike, you know, at the plate, it's not three strikes in your This is two strikes in your out. I would move or drop him immediately. You talked about getting the guy for an Austin Gomber or an Adam Wainwright. This is the guy I would consider doing Um even more heavily.
0: Oh, wow. Okay, so you're very much anti Urias, and, and I think people don't realize that innings limit with him as much. Like, Rogers has been publicly floated out there. I think even the casual fantasy baseball fans realize Trevor Rogers has that innings cap. I don't think it has been as public with Urias. So you're very much, hey, I'm going to trade your ass any chance I get. I don't want any part of him going forward.
1: Yeah, no, I, I really don't. I, I just don't see it. I, I think he has the upside to do more than Rogers going forward, if they let him pitch, because I think he has better swing in this stuff. Um, But I, I, I think he's going to regress to where people hit it more often. And even if that doesn't happen, I don't expect him to get the innings. So I don't see any scenario where that really wins out. Like, but like you can see that one little slice, le- that one last little slice of the pie there that you cut open. But it's like half a slice, and you hope it works out. But you're so hungry for dessert after the clock.
0: I'm always hungry for dessert, so I like that. I like that. Uh, Bach,
2: what about you? What are your thoughts on Mr. Julio? So I'm actually the opposite. I don't think that they're going to really live in him, and I think you look at the alternatives. Trevor Bauer probably won't pitch again this year, and deservedly so. They're going to manage Kershaw. They're going to save him for the postseason coming off of an I.L. stint. David Price isn't a starter anymore that can go five, six innings. He's more of a three, four innings type of guy. And the that's, are build, They are building him up a little like slowly, but he is. Uh, they, they are building him up, but I, I think in not only in terms of his pitch count, but his effectiveness. He's not an effective five or six inning pitcher. He's probably best in that three to four inning type of role. So that really kind of limits the pitching upside that you thought was a plethora to begin the season. I think the Dodgers have championship aspirations. Arias has 12 wins on the year, which actually leads to MLB. And he's never thrown 80 innings plus or more than any 80 innings in any season before. So they've actually preserved his arm pretty well. They're playing in a competitive division with the Padres who literally just traded for Adam Frazier and the Giants who and who are leading the division. So it's not like they can afford to rest him because they have a huge lead like they did last year. I think they're actually going to pitch him a decent amount. And he's somebody if they're selling low, I'll buy well, right now you have Tony Goslin in that bull, uh, rotation. You guys
0: know who leads all of baseball in the innings pitched right now? Uh,
2: Kyle Gibson. Just good, you know? Oh, I couldn't know who
0: is it. It's Walker Buehler who actually leads all of baseball with 135 innings pitched. So Walker Buehler, Tony Gonsolin, David Price, Julio Arias, and then yeah, I guess you know you have Josiah Gray. You know, kind of mixing in there some. Obviously, Kershaw when he comes back, but there's not like there's not a ton of depth. So I do understand from that point, Doc, what you're saying. Uh, I am kind of curious though. Did any of you guys think that the Dodgers won it last year, and the pressure to win a World Series isn't quite as prominent as it was in years past? That they take a safer route and that they're like, Hey, we don't want to push these guys too far to where they hurt themselves and, and dangerous for years to come. We won it last year, we're going to be competitive this year, but we're not going to be reckless. Does do you think, uh, Jessica, do you think any of that crosses the Dodgers' mind at all? Not this year,
1: but not because of their own factors. You mentioned the Giants and the Padres, I think that pushes them back to they have it right because I mean, they're kind of the an aching core number one, so. The window for this particular group of individuals is a little bit waning. As much as I really love the farm system, but like, look—I I think you want to make sure you have, at the very worst, a home game in the wild card game. You don't want to wind up going to San Diego or San Francisco uh, at one game and be out, right? Especially with how they spend, um, especially relatively to what San Francisco and what San Diego spend. So I think they're going to still try to be all in, no matter what. Um, and that seems to be their mentality. Uh, Los Angeles's mentality, and I've been I've been watching them late at the night past several years, they just want to go full scorched earth as much as possible, however possible um, to avenge what happened to them against Houston in 2017. And that is the mentality of that fan base, that is the mentality of how they really manage a lot of the time. So I, I think they'll want to try to keep guys in for the most part, um, but they really don't like to do a lot of breaks. They will if they, you know, they play through like it's, you know, where everything's wrapped up. But in this division and this year, it's not the case.
0: Yeah, I guess we'll have to see how things play out. Dodgers are definitely fascinating to keep an eye on as the season heads in the home stretch here. Let's talk about someone in the American League Central. Let's talk about somebody who I, I was high as anybody on Dylan's season. He's had a, a pretty decent year for the most part. I'm still happy with how he's performed. I think the best is yet to come from him. But his teammate, Carlos Rodon, uh, has really set the world on fire this year. Keep in mind, he only threw seven and two-thirds innings in 2020, his first year back from Tommy John. So you expect the buildup to maybe be particularly cautious after that big of a surgery, obviously. But his breakthrough has actually seemed like more work has been invited here. And the incentive to shut him down with how the White Sox have been playing, obviously, uh, they have to figure out what they're going to do here. Because 2019, 34.2 innings. In 2021, he's at already 100.2 innings right now. So he's at uh, nearly 70 innings uh, increase already from his 2019 season. So... Jessica, I'll go back to you, talk about Rodone here. So what are Rodon, those, Carlos Rodone's been exceptional. What are you doing with him?
1: So I, I'm keeping him. He, he is right about Freddie broad in my picture range. From going forward. He's at number eight, whereas Peralta's at number nine. Going forward. Um, I really like what he can provide in terms of um, innings picks, which is, I mean, it's not amazing because you mentioned the Tommy John. I am still predicted just outside my top 30 for innings picks at 63. I'm um, sure get a fair share of wins because Chicago's offense is pretty prolific. And he's been pretty dominant this year. Um, with the batted bow, um, been very good in terms of soft contact, um, been very good in terms of what you can expect him to allow. I mean top ten in the ER, top ten in ER8, just outside top ten in whip. So this is just outside of like Aeronola and Corbin Burns territory. This is a guy that I mean if you can try to get even like Honestly, this one I would consider, assuming it's not like a keeper league or something like that, I would consider creating like a Walker uniform at this point, or maybe even like a chain Beaver. I'm not going to say that at this point, right? With Kale Central, I would rather read that, like Rodon or Rondon. But right now, I think Rondon, I think consistently she's very good. He's just outside of um the absolutely elite.
0: Yeah, I mean, Ron Doan has again really been killing it there. Uh, Doc, what about you? What are your thoughts on the guy who keeps his shirt unbuttoned at the top, shows off that chest? Here, what are your thoughts on him?
2: Yeah, I'm with Jessica on this. Uh, He's at 100.2 innings right now. It's actually his most since 2018 when he threw 120.2, and he'll likely pass that. His career high is 165. This is a guy that's been plagued a lot by injuries in his career, so you don't have to worry about those cumulative innings year after year adding up. And they signed him for a one-year deal, kind of like a approve it. So I don't think there's any incentive for the White Sox to hold him back, maybe for the playoffs, but I think they still want that home field advantage or to have um, – I mean, they're they're going to win the division, but there's a couple competitive teams that they have to uh, potentially uh, have a higher seed for. So maybe they'll skip you know a couple days for rotation just to give them a little rest. But rest of the season, I think you feel fully confident rolling them out.
0: Yeah, Carlos Rodon has been insane. Uh, the The increase in velocity. People talk about Ethan Katz a lot. Their pitching coach who transformed Lucas Giolito's career, and uh, that's they pretty much brought him in strictly because of Giolito's recommendation. And he's done wonders. Don't Cease, even though he hasn't had the incredible breakout year that I said he was going to have, he's still been a very serviceable pitcher. Carlos Rodon has. Performed to now an all-star level, uh, I mean Ethan Katz is really having them work with that core velocity belt this off season. It's really helped transform these guys. And um again, I, I fully believe what the White Sox are doing here. Uh, so I'm I'm definitely on board with that. I, I 100% uh, agree with you guys there. So let's talk about the next person on this list, Doc. I'll start with you, Casey Mize, who has had a decreasing workload. Um, or had basically talked about decreasing his workload back as early as May and seen him take effect on his last few outings. He's been limited to about three or four innings, despite him continuing to pitch. Well, he even went out yourself personally to reach out to some Detroit experts to try to get their help to take someone down in fantasy baseball. So I respect that. Uh, but according to the Detroit free press Tigers are expected to turn him loose again sometime in August, potentially. Uh, and then they're going to have to decide to pull back again, depending on how he's looking. So as of right now, his he, in 2019, he pitched 109.1 innings in the minor leagues. He's at 104 innings right now. So he's nearing right about where he pitched in 2019. So, Doc, if you have Casey Mize on
2: your team, what are you doing? So you skipped the 2020 because he did play in the MLB last year in A3, he 28.1. And he's at 104 now. So figure... After maybe next outing or two outings, he'll have thrown four times the amount of innings against big leaguers that he did last year. I look at the pitch count for him. In his first 15 starts to begin the year, he threw 80-plus pitches in all the games. and two of them, he threw 100-plus. In July, his four outings, 56, 50, 54, and 79, including some favorable matchups. Two starts ago against the Rangers, he threw four shutout innings. They didn't even get him a chance to get the win. So for me, that has a little bit of concern. I also look at his ERA, and we talked about it with Trevor Rogers. To begin the year, in April was 5.06. May was a stellar 1.74. June, 3.82. And in July, 4.6. Once again, the Tigers are not a competitive team. Not saying that they shut him down, but I could see a lot more four or five inning pitches or four or five inning games. Or if he gets in jams, them yanking it and saying, hey, look, we're not going to get his pitch count up. We're going to get somebody else in here, not try to get him out and ruin his confidence. Would you rather have him or Scooble the
0: rest of the season? Scooble. Okay. Jessica, so same to you. You have Casey Mize in your projection system. Do you see shiny skies or do you see uh, stormy skies?
1: Uh, I, I see Hayes and the Mize, you know? like I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm just, I'm not feeling him, honestly. I don't think he gets the number of representative innings. I don't like the amount of contact he's gotten up. And yeah, you guys said it as well. I don't think there's going to be long starts. Maybe you want to experiment and see a little bit with what you have with the young guy, but there's no real reason to stretch him out for this year. This team is not going anywhere. And, you know, why, again, it's, it's the Marlins situation with Rogers again, right? Or at least in terms of psychology. Why stretch a guy out unnecessarily to increase risk of injury to where, maybe you can eventually contend when Torkelson and others come up in the longer term.
0: No, I agree. Uh, I mean, the Tigers aren't much to play for at this point. So that's, that's the, I think the smart way to go as well. Would you had rather have Casey Miser, Tariq Scoogle rest of the season?
1: Scoogle by a mile, by a mile.
0: Nice. This is a Scoogle podcast. I like it. I like it. Let's move to our next person on this list. And that's somebody that's made their way into my heart, having him in a couple leagues. And that's Luis Garcia. He's been a pleasant surprise for the Astros. He isn't ready to take on a workhorse role or anything close to that yet. It's inevitable that the Astros are going to have to ease him at some point. I've been hearing that they're going to flip-flop him and Christian Javier, and Javier's going to start, and that he'll, Luis Garcia will kind of come into that long relief role, pitching like two or three innings at a time. Uh, so uh, they did that with Javier to limit his innings, so they're going to flip-flop is what I'm hearing. Obviously, Jose Arquiti is on the mend. When he comes back, maybe that's when the Garcia workload change takes into effect here. Uh, so right now, Luis Garcia has 96 innings pitched in 2021. He pitched 108.2 innings in his last full season in 2019. So he's about 12 innings under what he pitched in 2019. So again, it's very fair to realize that there's a chance. Hey, this guy is not going to be in there to, to give you five or six innings for the rest of the season. Jessica, what are your thoughts on Luis Garcia, and are you scared if you roster him?
1: Yeah, I, I love him because I use him in, in one of my reliever spots in one of my leagues, but I'm not sort of on his, his innings going forward either. I have that ranked 113th going forward. Um, I I mean, honestly, if if you can keep him like, as a reliever spot, because I'm of the belief that if you can use starters as relievers in designated spots, it's relatively good asset value, even if it's a swing guy like I think Garcia will be. Um, but if you're looking like in an all picker league where it doesn't designated and differentiate between the two, you probably should move on, or at least try to sell high.
0: Yeah, I mean, his name, I remember I actually used a waiver on him on one of the leagues we have with waivers early on, after I had dropped him after a start, because I was like, this dude looks like he's the real deal. And uh, he, I expect him to still be effective in relief, but it's, again, going to be a question of, hey, do you need wins? You know, he might not be able to give you those anymore. The strikeouts are going to go down with him in less innings. Uh, There's a lot of that's going to hurt his what he's going to help you in categories, but he still should hopefully be effective for you. And I wouldn't just get rid of him or or try to get you know sell him like we were talking about with Trevor Rogers and a couple other guys. Uh, But let's talk about somebody who I am very intrigued about, and that's Logan Gilbert. And he's kind of was a little bumpy to start things out, but he's really turned it around recently. He pitched 2021. He's pitched 56.2 innings to this point. He pitched 135 innings in 2019. So the the 56.2 innings obviously is at the major league level right now. So you have to combine the minor league innings in there as well. Jessica, what are your thoughts on Logan Gilbert rest of season?
1: I'm a little bit concerned about him in, in innings as well. Although you would hope you would hope that Dakota would decide that oh they're going to buy and so they're therefore they're going to push guys. Um, I have him honestly about Trevor Rogers range, but with the added bonus to his benefit that he's on probably a team that's closer to contending by a lot than Miami is. Um, so I I have Gilbert very heavily if you give me a sec, sorry about this. So no, you're good. I have Gilbert very high in my whip ratings. Very, very high. So he's somebody to note if you need your whip to go down in your rotor league, he's somebody that you could really consider on really um that type of that type of impression or acquisitional level. I think he I do have a little bit of concern about the type of contact he's given up, but I think so far he's been able to get away with it because of the sample at the Major League level he's dealt with. But he's somebody I really I really like going forward, especially if you're in a Dynasty League too.
0: Yeah, I mean he's he's looked insane in Dynasty Leagues you have to be happy about it. He's actually uh, on a list of and I'll give SP streamer a shout out for this stat. He's one of seven pitchers uh, this season with a WOBA against under 270 and a strikeout rate over 27% over the last two months. So he joins a list of Carlos Rodon, Kevin Gosman, Corbin Burns, Zach Wheeler, Brandon Woodruff, and Charlie Morton. Uh, he really looks like he's coming into his own. He's obviously a very, very high pitching prospect. And again, every pitcher I think is going to have a little bit of a learning curve early on, but he looks like he's really settled in his groove. He's a very tall, lanky pitcher which obviously if you're taller, it's going to help treat that deceptiveness because you're closer to the plate when you uh, release your pitch, less time for the hitter to react. So uh, he's somebody that if you have in Dynasty, you're ecstatic and redraft. I, again, maybe just write it out a little bit more and uh great guy to have right now on your roster. And like uh, Jessica was saying, in the whip, he's going to help you a ton. So let's talk about the last person on this list, and that's Mr. Shane McClanahan. The Rays are usually both uh, tight-lipped ahead of the curve on these matters. They don't really talk about if they're going to uh, shorten pitchers uh, innings. They obviously are usually the trendsetters and people follow what they're doing in, in regards to pitching. As with um, Gilbert, we just talked about there does seem to be enough innings based off his 2019 total, where maybe it's not as much a concern for his 2021 total right now, right now. You also have Tyler uh, Glass now, who might not pitch, so the more reason to make sure he's pitching for their postseason aspirations. Right now, he's at 71 innings in 2021. He pitched 120.2 in his last full season in 2019, so he's about 50 innings or just under 50 innings under his 2019 total. So, Doc, I'll go to you. Mr. Shane McClanahan, if you have him, you just riding that wave or you look into sell.
2: Uh I'm looking to sell. I just think with the Rays, it's a little unpredictable. Now you mentioned that Tyler Glass now his situation's a little iffy. They did trade Rich Hill, so that should open up a rotation spot. But Kevin Cash gets creative. You know, he uses bullpen games. He'll mix up the rotation. I, I think besides Charlie Blackman, or I'm sorry, Charlie Morton at this point, I can't think of somebody that's a lock to start for the rest of the year. Um I could see them uh the Rays using him in a middle relief or kind of a bullpen role. I mean, this is his first year pitching in the majors. So maybe just getting him a little bit of experience. The Rays do that more than anyone else. You know, last year he threw 120 innings over three or in 2019 threw 120 innings over three levels. So I see them kind of keeping it around that range, maybe a little bit lower just because he didn't pitch at all last year. Um, so if I can sell him and somebody's giving me something decent in a redraft league, I'm going to take it. All right. Well, Jessica, what are your thoughts?
1: So I'm on a similar boat, though. So you mentioned he's about 50 innings away. I have him as 51 innings picks. the rest of the year. I think they're going to play very safe. And Tampa will mix and max. They will put in some swing guys to start for a few innings. They'll do extended openers. I think, I think that's their latest trend. It's not just one or two innings, but maybe a swing guy that goes two or three innings instead. I'm not really sort of on him either. I, I'm on the fell train. I don't think he's going to get the requisite number of innings necessary with how Tampa really uses their guys down the stretch to keep them fresh for playoff time. Um, and they're kind of contrary, right? So they, they create, I think, their pitching guys more like how a reboting team would just because they want to ensure that they get the most out of their players when it really counts. And for a team that's, um, I think, rather likely to make the postseason, I mean... When you're dealing with the type of budgetary constraints that Tampa deals with year after year, I think that's the smart play. It's terrible for fantasy players, but that's why they do it. And I think it's smart for organization, but it's also smart for you to pick up on that and act accordingly.
0: I agree. And uh, with that, this list of eight players is finito. And make your calls accordingly. The MLB trade deadline is tomorrow. Most leagues' trade deadlines are around this time. If you're in a trading league obviously if you're in a high stakes league there's no trade deadline there's no trades but you have to figure out if these guys are getting their innings shortened you have to figure out if you're going to hold on to them and not pick up guys that are going to have a chance to pitch without a leash on them metaphorically speaking here so will uh, take that information as you will with some great stuff brought by these two here but with that said let's move on to our question of the week <laughs> All right, our question of the week is sponsored by Monkey Night Fight. Triple Play Fantasy is an official affiliate to Monkey Night Fight, the fastest growing be- uh, sports betting site in the United States. Use promo code Triple Play and get up to $50 of your deposit matched when you become a new user and you use that code. So our question this week, who is do you think would be the best golfer in Major League Baseball? I have someone in mind. Uh so Jessica, you're the guest. So I'll go to you first. Who do you think is the best golfer in MLB? Or, Doc, we can go to you first. Who do you think is the best golfer in Major League Baseball?
2: Uh, You know what? For me, it's Mookie Betts. And this is a repeat answer. But he just seems like that guy that's good at everything. Like, he's a great outfielder. He's a great hitter. He's a five-tool player. He can bowl a perfect game. He could commentate well. He's probably good at golf, and we just don't know it. Mm. That's a good answer. I, I I'd be loving. I'd love
0: someone to ask him if he played golf, because I think you're right. He's good at everything he does. It's not fair. He's a savant. Yeah, Jenska, What about you? Who's your pick? Well, I'll, I'll give my pick. My pick is Mike Trout. Who I can see it. If, if you literally have just are you talking looked, about the top golf thing? If you literally just looked at the tall. I was looking for the video and I couldn't find it to put up on screen. Amy Bellinger.
2: I don't know, dude. Mike Trout's went to like another stratosphere. Bellinger's did too, and Bellinger sometimes has an uppercut, which you might need in golf. Uh, yeah, but with his swing right now and his baseball swing, I'll, I'll trust Mike Trout over that.
0: Mike Trout's not even healthy though. Yeah, Mike Trout still was good when he was hel- when he was like healthy. Boy, if healthy you're talking right about now, currently,
2: Bellinger is healthy but sucks, and Trout <laughs> is injured.
0: Yeah, but I'll still trust Trout any day of the week. All right. Let's go to our game of the week. All right. The mood is set. Doc is hosting the game, which I have no idea what we're playing. Jessica, are you ready for this game that Doc is hosting here? Or you know what? Doc, why don't you tell us the game and then we will will play from there. Tell us what we're playing.
2: All right. Well, as host of the game, we are going to play what I call Journeyman. And it's a game we played before. I'm going to give you a player and then the teams they've played for. Your job is to tell me what order they played those teams in. So uh you get a point for each one. And then I have a tiebreaker that it's going to end the game because there's no way that you guys would get all of these in order. So we're going to start with David first, then Jessica. Sound good? Let's do it. All right, David. Well, while Jessica is waiting to come back, I'll give you the first person. You ready, buddy? Let's go. I got my phone ready to go. It's CJ Crone. Now, the teams he's played for are the Rays, the Rockies, the Angels, the Twins, and the Tigers. You have to give me the order that he the Rays, did. The Rockies, the Angels,
0: the Tigers, and which team? The Twins. Okay. Um, this, okay. Um, so, I'm going to put them in order right now. I'm pretty sure that it was the Rays, and then, or I'm sorry, it was the Angels, Then the Rays, then the Twins, then the Tigers, and then the Rockies.
2: All right. Well, since Jessica isn't here, you got it all right. That's a that's a a perfect five. Ooh,
0: doggy! You know what? I I feel very proud of myself for that. I I want you. You know what? I don't just want this, Eric. I don't just want this.
2: I want you to cheer with them. Cheer for me. Come on, you got one thing right. Jeez, this is, this is why nobody me, likes you. Let me do the second one. Let me do the second one. All right. The second one, David Price, his five teams, and this is easier than, than the one we played last time, by the way, because a lot of those I can't, I couldn't use again. David Price's five teams, the Dodgers, the Rays, the Tigers, the Red Sox, and the Blue Jays.
0: Okay. Um so I think obviously got drafted by the Rays. Then I'm pretty sure he went to the Tigers. Then I'm sure he went to the Red Sox. Then I think he went to the Blue Jays and then the Dodgers. I'm double check I'm I'm pretty I'm Signing so if I want to put Blue Jays first. Or I'm pretty sure it was Red Sox, then Blue Jays, and then Dodgers. So yeah, Rays, Tigers, Red Sox, Blue
2: Jays, Dodgers. You got three out of five. Should have switched uh, the Red Sox and Blue Jays. Oh, the Red Sox geez. traded him to the Dodgers in the Mookie Betts deal. How do you not know that?
0: Jeez. I I knew I would. I God, I knew it was like right oh, geez, there. Jeez, you call
2: yourself a baseball fanatic? That was oh, an easy my one. God. Oh, jeez. All right. All right, well, we'll go to the third one. Maybe I'll just have you go all along, and then if Jesse comes back.
0: Go ahead. All right, the
2: the third one, Gene Segura. Okay. The five teams he has, the Mariners, the Brewers, the Phillies, the Angels, and the Diamondbacks. Angels
0: and Diamondbacks. Okay. So I guess – I'm going to say for Gene Segura right now, he's on the Phillies, so that's last. Uh, I'm going to say he was on the uh, – this one's the toughest of the three by far for sure.
2: Yeah, it started, started out easy for you.
0: I, I feel like it was – I don't even remember him on the Brewers, to be honest with you. So um, what's the
2: question there? Who he was traded for? So, so
0: you, you could both do this one together, yeah.
2: Yeah, so so Jessica, um, it's called journeyman. So, for example, this, this guy, Gene Segura, played for five teams. And I'm going to give you the teams, and then you have to tell me in what order he played for the teams. This will be for all the marbles since uh,
0: we, this is the last one. We'll just do this for all the marbles.
2: Okay. Okay. So the five teams are the Mariners, the Brewers, the Phillies, the Angels, and the Diamondbacks. So – I'll let David go first, and then you give me your five after. So,
0: I'm going to go with the Angels, the Brewers, the Mariners, the Diamondbacks, and the Phillies.
2: Okay. All right, Jessica, what is the order that Gene Segura played for those teams?
1: All right, so I know... That obviously he's on the Phillies now, so that has to come. That has to come last or first. If you do, you want it first to last or last to first?
2: Uh, last. So, so like obviously he does play for the Phillies now. Phillies would be number five,
1: yeah. right? I, okay. So I remember it was weird when he went to Seattle because they weren't really a contending team, and I thought, I remember he was a hot piece, and that was a the same division but cross um, league. So therefore, it's Arizona. Um. And I remember he came up with the Angels, so that means the Brewers is the second team. So it's Angels first, followed by Milwaukee, followed by Arizona, followed by Seattle, followed by Philadelphia. Five
0: for five! Woo! Oh, man.
2: Stick a dagger in David, and he well, gave himself all the cheers. Jessica coming in and wiping the floor with David. Yeah! yeah that was, that was fun you fun. love to see it! Woo!
0: God, too much energy there. Too much energy for this.
2: Oh, no, no, David. See, this is Wabafet counter. You were hyping yourself up after getting five <laughs> for five for CJ Crone. <laughs> I can hit you.
0: That was the hardest one for it's sure. in so. the Granky
1: deal, right? Because that, that's why I remember he was in the Granky deal, and then he was in like the Taiwan Walker deal. That because I remember because I remember when the the because I remember when Granky got traded. Um, he got traded in the Brewers trade. They were asking if it was a fair trade. I'm like, wait, Zach Granke actually follows baseball. This guy could be a GM someday. He was asking if the return was put on that
2: trade. Do you guys want to know who the tiebreaker was going to be? Ooh. Who? Rich Hill. He has 11 different stints. Oh, my God. That awesome.
0: <laughs> oh, jeez. Well, on that note, just could get the win. Crowd cheered for you. They uh, applaud the amazing effort you put into the game and also for the show. And I just want to say, on behalf of Eric and I, thank you so much for coming on the show this afternoon. It was a ton of fun having you.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me. I again, I really do appreciate it, and I know you have Darnell uh, Darnell McDonald on later today. So I figured, you know, we're gonna what better way to welcome them than with a few stats and fun facts about him that puts him in very unique lights.
2: You guys, like, you guys want to hear that? Yeah, yeah. we already we already spoke with him, but I'm I'm all well, about Darnell McDonald. We're following, following up better. with yeah, him. will
1: we're, we're too. Here with him. Nothing better than the power of retrospection. It always gets your predictions right 100 percent of the time. Um. Okay. <laughs> all right. So. I think the less interesting of the two, it's so interesting, but it's so cool. So there have been uh, there have been five players in Red Sox history who had a home run with the team in each of their first two games, starting with Jake Jones in 1947, Lee Thomas in 1964, Sam Bourne in 1987, Danny Santana actually did it this year, um, so that's why it came up recently, and then Darnell McDonald in 2010. So that's a lesser of the two. That's a little bit of your say right there. Oh, wow. And then the second one, this is, I thought this one was fairly cool when I came across it. So there have been three players, uh, Gavin Caccini on June 19th, 2017, Hector Gomez on May 4th, 2015, and Darnell McDonald on August 30th, 2009. And those three, and those states, are the only three that hit their first major league home run off of Clayton Kershaw. Oh, first, that first home run against Kershaw.
0: So he he did like talk about that on the show. He was like, "Yeah, like my first home being off Clayton Kershaw he has the ball." I didn't know he was only one of three to do it. That's so that's that's like that's nuts. That's an elite yeah. category. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. he might as well go in the Hall of Fame. First home run off Clayton Kershaw. That's nuts. Right. Um, that's really cool. Uh, but yeah, those are awesome stats, and he, we're, he's supposed to follow up with it. We're supposed to do a, a, a part two. So that'll be the first thing I'll bring up to him when we talk to him again. Um, but, again, thank you for those stats. Thank you for uh, coming on the show. And can you let our listeners know anything, like, where they can find you, any work that you're doing, or anything like that?
1: Yeah, so right now I'm a free agent in terms of, you know, like, my long-form thesis. But right now, find my find me on Twitter, at Um If you have a question, I will do my best to find the answer. It doesn't have to be stats, although I love stats, um, and I will research it for you. Um, I have t- tables that will do a little bit more than what Stathead does, because I figured out how to code in Excel recently. Um, but I will answer questions about history, opinions, projections, really anything you want to know. And I'm getting into a little bit in football this fall, if you want to know about that, Ooh. Um, fantasy side of things. So really, anything is on the table. Um, and I mostly tweet about those two because I think they get the best engagement. But you can really ask me about any sport, and I will do my best to answer or project it for you.
0: Awesome. Well, I'd love to hear that. And definitely be looking for some of the football stuff, too, is obviously we, we do football, baseball, and basketball. So Love to see the awesome football tweets you put out as long as, or as, uh, obviously, the baseball ones have been exceptional so far. Uh, but everybody that listened or watched, however you consume triple play fantasy, we appreciate you. Next week, we'll be joined by Ben Palmer, who is, uh, should be a fantastic guest. He actually is a, a local Baltimorean, I think, himself, or at least a Marylander. Uh, so that'll be a fun show. But until then, everyone be safe out there. Enjoy another week of baseball. And we're going to like a bread truck.